Cleveland has finally done it, guys. They've won a championship. The Lake Erie Monsters this afternoon completed the sweep of the AHL's Calder Cup over the Hershey Bears. It's a championship, not professional. Hey, the drought's over. They play at the queue. I mean, maybe the Magic can continue for the Cavs if they can make it back there. I don't think it matters anymore. LeBron had his chance to lead Cleveland back to glory, but instead Oliver Bjorkstrand has done it. Does this satisfy Browns fans and Cavs fans? The curse is over. It's got to be over. All right. Looks like Cleveland is satisfied for the next 10 years. What's up, everyone? Stee here, along with Lucky and Greg. Welcome to the Game Time Decision Podcast, and thanks for joining us for a second episode. If you want, you can follow us on Twitter at GTimeDecision to keep up to date with the latest sports news and hot takes. All links are in the show notes below. Starting things off is our weekly roundup, the segment where we catch you up with the biggest sports news this week. First off, the NHL Board of Governors announced that they are voting on whether or not to expand the league. What are your thoughts on this, Luck? So when it comes to expansion, the league's got four options. They cannot expand at all. They can delay the expansion for a year. They can put a team in Las Vegas alone, or they can put a team in Las Vegas and Quebec City. Personally, I'd like to see the league just go all in, two more teams, expansion draft, the whole nine yards. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, expansion drafts are always fun. I want to know where I can sign up to pick for one of the teams. <laughs> you want to be a celebrity, a celebrity drafter. That's a PSA for anyone looking to hire me. Greg, why do you think you're qualified to make the draft picks for the Quebec City team, let's say? You know, I've got good instincts. Background in French language. And statistics. You know, I can follow the analytics a little bit. You're an, ad- you're an advanced stats guy? Uh, no, I'm a feel for the game guy. <laughs> but I have that background knowledge, so I can really balance so you're, it. You're an all-around kind of guy. Oh, yeah. My team's going to have a lot of personality. Heart over skill. My team's going to have everything. Teams out there, they're just not going to be able to block enough of their players. And I'm going to be able to put together a roster I want. Yeah, I definitely think expansion drafts are going to be a media heyday. This is content coming out the ears for these analysts. I'm going to have a blast once I find out what the real rules are. You know, analyzing rosters, seeing which players your favorite team's going to protect, who they're not going to be able to protect. It's going to be exciting. Oh, it's going to be fun. I think uh, video game makers, hopefully some of them follow this podcast because 2K, you know, NHL, MLB The Show. This has got to be game mode, got to be part of GM mode. You guys can set up the parameters however you want, block however many players, but you got to be able to start a franchise from scratch like this and just be able to build a roster in GM mode. I'd definitely play more than a few rounds of it. Anyways, bringing us back to having an NHL franchise in Vegas, I think this has got to be viewed as a negative for players, management, coaches, really everyone who's got to live in the city while being a professional. Oh, hold on. Got Las Vegas, not a bad town. There's plenty to do there. Lots to do or lots of ways to put your career in jeopardy. 
Well, uh, are, we, are we talking NBA or NHL here, Greg? We're talking NHL. These guys still have enough money to go out and spend it all. I think if the team owner is one of the casino bosses, this is a best case scenario because he's getting half of the paychecks he's sending out right back into his pocket after the game. Yeah, he's ruining the lives of professional athletes. Who's going to want to go there? Yeah, they'll, they're going to want to go there, buddy. It's got its charms. The younger players, they're going to have a blast out there. Yeah, I mean, their home ice advantage is not going to be the local fan support. It's going to be the fact that the away teams are going to be out partying the night before. <laughs> That's a great home ice advantage. <laughs> Does any other city have anything like that? Well, I mean, if you're going to Cleveland or Columbus, you're probably going to want to drink anyways. But The crowds, though. It's really going to be tough to fill that place. I think one of the biggest problems they're going to have is how are these teams going to be competitive right off the bat? How are you going to avoid having Las Vegas and Quebec City in 31 and 32nd place year after year for the first five years? You got to hope that there's good management and stills in both places. And at least Quebec City, it's a big hockey town. There's going to be fan support from the start. Vegas, on the other hand, it's going to be tough to fill that arena. Hopefully away fans are going to come visit. Well, Vegas has got the population for it. It's a decent-sized city. I think they could support a team. It's just how many, how hard are they going to market the team towards the local residents versus as a giant tourist attraction? It's definitely going to be a boom-or-bust franchise. We'll see how it plays out. I really think the NHL is going to make the move to Vegas. And I think it's 50-50 right now on Quebec City. I mean, it is a revenue-driven league. The owners are hungry for cash, so what's to lose? Since our last episode, the Golden State Warriors and Cleveland Cavaliers played the game four. The Warriors took the game 108-97. to What do you think, Greg? Do the Warriors have what it takes to get the championship at home next game? It's going to be a little easier now with the suspension to Draymond Money Green, which is probably going to make lucky luke a lot happier about the finals game five i guess we'll really see how the team fares without him spoiler alert they're gonna be fine yeah clay thompson and steph curry both gonna have to show up for this game but they do not want to go back to cleveland no one wants to go back to cleveland in this series does anybody want to go back does anyone want to go to cleveland at all i think the Cavs players besides lebron none of them are really going back to Cleveland. So I think their bags are all packed to head home straight from Golden State. They all live there, yeah. They live out in L.A. They're not leaving. They don't want to go back to Cleveland. They're hoping to lose. That's a hot take. J.R. Smith, you got to love him. Does not want to win. He does not want to make it competitive. He'd rather go home than play another game. I just want to see him shoot again like he did in Game 3. I want want it to be do or die with J.R. every shot. Take it. I want him to have his success if he can. If not, do or die with him. Live and die with him going for 60 points if possible. I want him to win finals MVP or go home. Finals MVP on the losing team. Has that ever happened? Jerry West. Jerry West. <laughs> the logo himself. <laughs> J.R. Smith, though, if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him. I mean, it could have been LeBron last year. LeBron doesn't shoot as many threes. They said themselves, J.R. Smith's got more of a green light than LeBron does to take that shot. That team's got some issues. I mean, LeBron also claiming he's low on the totem pole. Things are 
pretty strange in Cleveland right now. Are you going to be surprised if he resigns? LeBron's coming back for sure. Really? Coming back 100%. Yeah, he's going to sign another one year deal with a one year player option, wait for the TV money, the TV deal to get done. And then he's going to sign long-term in Cleveland with a max contract. You think rest rest of his career in Cleveland? Yeah, LeBron's got nothing else he can do. I mean, he's going to get scrutinized if he just chases championships and signs with the Spurs or something. So so you think, you think the super friends are going to come to Cleveland this summer, though? I think that'd be fun. I think that's the only place that they're going to do it. You think Chris Paul is coming to Cleveland? Dwayne Wade is leaving Miami to come to Cleveland? As a basketball move, it could happen. <laughs> They're really going to have to find a new night. Those four are going to need to start a nightclub or something because they're not going to have too much to do. Yeah, they're going to be their own show in Cleveland. I really think they need to lose game five. They need to get blown out in this playoff series, and they need to realize that they are four steps behind Golden State and a couple other teams in the West, and they need to just blow up the franchise this year and go out and chase this team and try and make it happen in Cleveland. I think that's really their only option to be competitive in the next couple of years. I think this core is not able to do it. So speaking of LeBron, Greg, I hear you have a little-known story about him. This is a game-time decision exclusive. Greg, tell us what you know. So Joel Anthony, you know, center, Canadian, longtime NBA vet, played on the Heat from 2007 to 2014. Um, One of LeBron's birthday parties, he invited the team out. Uh, Anthony and a couple of his boys went out to this club. Show up around midnight, first floor, they get there. Just a normal nightclub scene. No sightings of LeBron, just hanging out, right? It's about 1 a.m., they decide, all right, we'll see, maybe he's upstairs in the VIP section, floor two. Go up, talk to the bouncers. They say, yeah, you guys are on the heat. All right, come on up. Go upstairs. They got up there. Still no LeBron. At his own birthday party. At his own birthday party. LeBron's on floor three. There's a third floor to this There's club. a third floor to the club. No players are allowed up there. It's LeBron, Wade, and Chris Bosh. And that's it. He did not come to his own birthday party. The three of them were in the exclusive third floor. None of the team could even go see them. So none of the Heat players were famous enough to hang out with the big three the on big, the third floor. Exactly. So, I mean, that's just the kind of hierarchy that LeBron seems to bring to a team. How does Joel Anthony fit into this? That's that's the source. Dude. That's oh, oh, sorry. I mean, we can't reveal our sources, guys. Pretend you didn't hear that. <laughs> so who's LeBron's big three in Cleveland? I mean, I don't. I think he might just have his own third floor. I think also Love and Kyrie might be able to get the second floor, and everyone else, you know, J.R. Smith, you gotta love him, but he's the life of the party on the first floor. But everyone else down there, with him. <laughs> I'd be willing to bet a lot of money that there's no three-story clubs in Cleveland. <laughs> Probably just stays home. <laughs> the Stanley Cup Finals was also underway this week in Pittsburgh. Martin Jones stood on his head, stopping 46 shots to get the San Jose Sharks the 4-2 win. Was it enough to propel them back from the brink, or is it just delaying the inevitable? I'm so ready for this NHL season to be over. I've just found myself really torn watching these games. You see, I'm a big Caps fan. I hate the Penguins. I can't stand them. 
But part of me is just still in love with Phil Kessel. He's the everyman's athlete, doesn't go to the gym, doesn't put in too much extra work in, and he's still a, still a superstar out there. This is who I would like to be as an NHL player. And I really want to see him win. But at the same time, I want to see the rest of the Penguins lose. So if there's any way we could get a Kessel to San Jose trade, special exemption, hit me up, Gary Bettman. Let's talk this over. What do you think, Greg? Yeah, I mean, really the only way I want to see the Penguins win is with Kessel going out with like a four-goal game, winning the Conn Smythe, you know, Crosby handing the cup to Kessel first. Oh, that has to happen. Yeah, it's got to be Kessel's moment. Or the whole Sharks. I like the whole Sharks to win. I, I'd rather the Sharks win. Yeah, the Sharks are sure. a likable team. Um, it didn't look possible despite their win. They they got to, they came out of the but gate pretty good. Dominated. It's just the the first period they got that three goal lead and it looked like they sat back and put one player in the offensive end and just defended their hearts out for two periods. But they got doubled in shots. They tacked on an empty netter at the end, but they just. They were just taking a beating. They don't have it. Yeah, they don't have it. Yeah, I mean, maybe Jonesy can stand on his head and win a couple more games, but I think that's really their only hope at this point. Speaking hockey, the late and great Gordy Howe, a.k.a. Mr. Hockey, passed away this week at 88. Gordy Howe, you know, obviously an absolute legend, Mr. Hockey. One thing I've noticed from the reaction to his death in the past couple days is a lot of the older generation, to them, Gordie Howe is the greatest of all time. A lot of these people that grew up, you know, maybe watching hockey before Gretzky, this was their guy. This is the guy Bobby Orr said he looked up to. I think his impact is definitely a lot lessened nowadays. To us, he's definitely not the icon that he is to our parents. What do you think? Yeah, well, I mean, he had such a lasting impact, too. I mean, four decades in the league is unheard of these days. Just being an icon and being a professional for that long, just the number of people he had the opportunity to impact and the number of people that saw, like, his scoring and his physical strength and his on-the-ice skill and ability is just outstanding. And then to really see how good of a guy he is off the court and hear the stories and stuff like that is really eye-opening and it's really how he impacted sort of multiple different different generations just a good all-around guy and family man i mean he got to play with his two kids professional hockey which is just an unbelievable feat pretty unheard of in professional sports in any league and he met his wife when they were 17 1953 i mean he he created lasting relationships with people and family, and that really impacted the fans, I believe. Playing with his sons, got to be the reason he finally hung them up, right? All right, I'm, I might be getting a little too old for this when my sons are skating circles around me. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's the thing with pretty much every, you know, athlete. They, they keep trying until their sons can beat them, and then it's it's time to give up. I mean, you hear all the stories about the professional athletes after they're done playing and then their sons who become professionals like the Del Curry, Steph Curry relationship. I mean, how long 
how young was he when he could first beat you in one-on-one, stuff like that. I mean, but for them to all be playing at that high of a level at the same time is just outstanding. So our final story this week was the shocking news that Maria Sharapova was suspended for allegedly using performance-enhancing drugs. This is wild. Performance-enhancing drugs are, you know, obviously, they ruin the integrity of the games. Sure, baseball was exciting back in the day when everybody was juicing and hitting 50 dingers a year, but the games really are better off without them. But this heart medication as... It counts as PEDs these days? I mean, what's going on with that? The same sort of thing happened during the Winter Olympics with Nicholas Backstrom, center for Team Sweden. He took an allergy medication, Zyrtec D was the name of the drug in question. His team doctor said it was fine, and it turns out it was on the list of banned substances. His doctor said he'd cleared it with the IIHF when he had, in fact, not. And it resulted in Backstrom not being allowed to play in the gold medal game against Team Canada, which Team Sweden inevitably lost. In the coming months, the Olympic Committee did an investigation and found that he was not, in fact, using this drug as a performance enhancer, and he was actually using it for its intended use as an allergy reliever and sent him a silver medal as consolation. But... As much as I do think that performance-enhancing drugs have no place in sports these days, the governing commissions really need to tone down the witch hunts. Not every player who starts to do a little bit better or is using one of these questionable beta blocker or heart medications is going to find the same advantage as someone who's straight up using human growth hormone. I got a bit of a hot take here for you, okay? So these, these performance-enhancing drugs, most of them are legal to do to yourself. You can't. Oh, it, it's, yeah, I don't think human growth hormone is even illegal to the yeah, general public. You can't, you can't sell them, I don't think. There, there are legal issues surrounding them, but they're illegal to take. If you feel that you can do them to your body, then do them to your body. Why don't we have a doping Olympics and then a non-doping Olympics? Who... Who would not watch all these doped up massive freak athletes performing all the tasks? And then you can still have the purity in the non-doping Olympics. I think the problem is the doping Olympics become too eventful and the non-doping Olympics just fall by the wayside. Who's going to watch those anymore? Why am I going to watch a bunch of nerds putting in average performances when I could watch roided out monsters perform non-human feats some people like the purity of the game oh purity of the game doesn't really hold water when (laughs) you've got wrestling between two essential hulks yeah i mean i think both would be fun to watch and i there's there's cases too like nhl players are probably not going to take all the performance enhancing substances just to play in the other olympics but if there's some freaks that are actually better at hockey because of the drugs and they just that's their thing every year. They play in the, the drug Olympics. The drug Olympics. <laughs> Let, this, this idea could have some merit. Uh, yeah, I, we're going to get it off the ground. I, I, think, I think fans would love it. It does have potential. The one thing about all these PED cases that I just... I don't understand right now is 
with the process. You know, the MLB, they have their process. This case in tennis, there's a whole process. So they get caught. Then they don't have to say anything. There's their appeal. It seems like multiple appeals. It seems like they can go on forever playing the sport until finally they announce it to the world. Then they're suspended. What's the deal with that? Like, I mean, all these MLB, MLB players were caught in spring training, played for the first part of the season. Why? Why don't you ban them right away? Well, look at Chris Colabello. I mean, last year, the guy was a monster. He was batting 300, getting on base almost every hit. I've got a friend who loved to refer to Colabello as the hardest out in baseball during last year's playoffs. And then this spring, he's batting 70. You got to think he maybe stopped the PEDs and hoped that yeah, they might because, let him go. Because he got caught, but... How how is that a good process? I mean, they they keep these good hitters out here to win games for the team, and then suspend them later on. I think it's just the inherent bureaucracy in sports. Look at soccer. Barcelona gets caught for tax evasion, faces a transfer ban, appeals it, buys Luis Suarez, arguably one of the best players in the world right now, and were allowed to do it during the window that they were supposed to be banned for. Yeah, it's just appeals just too long, too drawn out. It's it's crazy these days. Call 911. Get yourself an ambulance because it's hot takes time. Quick disclaimer before we start. Do not call 911 unless you are in a real emergency. We don't need another lawsuit on our hands. Now it's time for a weekly hot takes submitted by you. If you'd like to submit your own hot takes, tweet us at GTimeDecision with the hashtag hot takes. Our first take this week is Blue Jays ace Marcus Stroman has actually been their worst starting pitcher this year. What's your take, Greg? Yeah, that seems pretty accurate to me. I mean, Dickey's the only other pitcher with an ERA above four, and I think him and Stroman are really trending in opposite directions. Dickey's Started the year tough. He always does in the cold weather. He doesn't get the same kind of movement. But now he's pitching exceptionally well and Strowman's struggling. At the same time, I don't think this performance from him is really any concern. You know, he's still he's still doing mediocre out there. He's, his stuff is, is good. It's just not getting the kind of movement he wants. He's not quite hitting his spots. But, yeah, overall, I think that's a true statement. But I don't think there's any reason to be alarmed. We won the Dickie Syndergaard trade. Hate all you want. Tell me how fast Noah Syndergaard can throw and what a cool guy he is. R.A. Dickey, still bringing the heat. 42 years old. You know, he's not bringing much heat, but yeah. Oh, he's, he's bringing some kind he's of He's bringing heat. the stuff. He's bringing the stuff, I guess, but he's not bringing the same kind of stuff Syndergaard's bringing. We're still winners. How, how many pennants have the Mets won lately? The Mets were in the World Series last Did year. Did they win? Did they win the World Series? Okay, I guess we'll no? see if the Jays or the Mets, whoever wins the World Series first, is that who wins the the Syndergaard Dickey trade? I'm willing to stake five dollars on that. You taking you taking Tolly over Darno as well? Oh yeah, catchers don't make any difference. It's I could a, catch in the MLB. It's a hot take itself, right there. One of the hardest positions to play. Back to Stroman. Listen, I like this kid. I like him a lot. Great young kid. 
hell of a story last year, hurting himself in training camp and coming back to be one of the Jays' most effective pitchers in playoffs and through the end of the season. But at the same time, I think the height issue is finally catching up to him. Some you of you may or may him. not know, Stroman is height-challenged. <laughs> and I think that's a big reason why the Jays just went out and used their first-round pick on arguably the tallest pitcher in the draft. You don't believe in HDMH, you know? Height doesn't measure heart. You don't believe in the movement? I'm sure he's got plenty of heart. Height definitely might measure skill as a pitcher. Performance, maybe. Yeah. I, it's it's difficult, too, because it's not even the throwing mechanics and how hard he can throw. It's just his pitches don't come down at the same angle from the mound because they just are coming from a lower point. But I think he can turn it around. What do you, you think he's going to... I his think career is as a reliever? Uh, if he doesn't grow a few more inches, it could be looking like that. Listen, the Jays have a decent bullpen now. Their relieving is starting to warm up a bit. Maybe you just send Stroman back there and warm it up a bit more. Who do you add to the rotation right now? Drew Hutchinson off his 1-0 and season so far? He's looking pretty good. He's always a wild card. Between Hap and Estrada, as well as Sanchez putting in solid performances and Dickey warming up, I think the Jays are quite fortunate in all seriousness for Stroman to be going through this growing pains now, and I think he's going to come out a stronger pitcher at the end of it. Second hot take this week, suffering from a little buyer's remorse, Kevin Love definitely regrets signing in Cleveland. I agree with that statement 150%. I mean, going there to win a championship, sure, he's going there. There's a good chance he won't win a championship. He's his numbers are are gone. Like he he was a threat to get twenty and twenty every night in Minnesota. Now he's lucky to get ten and ten. He's living in Cleveland, not the greatest city in the world. I know Minnesota's not either, but there's plenty of other teams that would sort of let him do his thing and get his numbers where he might enjoy living. Listen, we've we've had a lot of hate on the city of Cleveland. I've been there. It's all true. It's not that great. I can definitely see why K-Love wouldn't want to be there anymore. This is why I'm proposing the professional leagues of North America institute a new rule. This rule is called the trade-back rule. Anytime, two years or sooner, after a trade. Now, it's a special clause. It doesn't have to be included in every trade, but once a year, teams get to use this clause and Trade back. Trade backsies. Get Syndergaard back on the Jays. No, no, that's not one I would use it for. <laughs> I, personally, for the Jays, would reverse the Tulo trade. Why? That sparked like a 10-game win streak. But look at him now. You want Jose Reyes back? <laughs> 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 what's, he, what's he been up to? Suspended? Uh, maybe domestic abuse. Uh, <laughs> alleged. But no, I'm, I'm just kidding. That's not the one I would use it on. Would most likely have been the price trade. But back to the issue at hand. You see Wiggins on this team in the four spot right now? They're giving Golden State a good run for their money. Yeah, I mean, Wiggins can't really conventionally play the four, but if you have LeBron in, he could. he's another big enough guy. He could match up with Green a little bit. He'd be better served to guard a Udala or someone. But yeah, moral of the story is, 
Kevin Love is is missing out on All Star games, missing out on All NBA teams, and all the personal accolades that he could have gotten, and he's not getting any of these team accolades. So his his standing in like the NBA hierarchy and in terms of how his career is going to be viewed is just dropping. It's it's way lower than it was, and I don't think he would ever admit this or he would ever say he regrets it. But deep down, he's got to. Kevin Love to the Golden State Warriors this summer. Force a trade. Yeah, he's a ring ring chaser, eh? Gotta be. Our hot take number three this week, that girl who was eyeing up Steph Curry in game two is in fact his mistress. And people still wonder why Aisha Curry comes to every game. It's because of girls like this. She's out here eyeing up arguably the... Most popular basketball player on the planet right now. Maybe looking for an, uh, a new ex-husband. Maybe get herself a mansion in Malibu. And listen, I'm not saying that's why she was at the game. All I'm saying is she was also at game three in Cleveland, which means someone flew her out there. And I don't know if you saw the picture, but she was sitting two rows in front of Aisha. She had better seats. If Steph really is seeing this girl on the low, he's got to do a better job of hiding it. You can't have her sit closer than your wife and mom. That's just, that's a no-brainer. What do you think, Greg? You got to believe that the Currys have the perfect family. Oh, here so, we go. There's, there's just no way. There's no way you can you can believe this. There's no such thing as a perfect family, Greg. But benefit of the doubt, you know what? What isn't proven? You gotta, you gotta just ignore it. You can't. I can't picture that in my head that that's going on because they, they seem to have it all. You know, all these people looking up to them. Everyone wants what they want. They seem so cute and adorable. I want to just keep this PG thirteen. Are you a big Riley Curry fan? I think she had her moment. I want her back. This finals would have been would have been nice. Would have, you know, brought some attention away from the blowouts because you know they haven't been exciting to say the least. I gotta say, Greg, I'm surprised I haven't been getting Steph emojis from you. You didn't buy the Steph Curry emoji app yet. Yeah, the NBA emoji app came out too, but I'm not not a big emoji guy, you know. Those Steph emojis, <laughs> they're hot in the streets right now. Yeah, well, I mean, at least. But the Curry family, you're dreaming, pal. This ideal family. At the end of the day, Steph's on a professional basketball team. If you think Clay and Draymond aren't taking him out clubbing after the games, you gotta get you gotta get real. Sticking with Steph Curry for our final hot take, the Curry two lows are actually good shoes. There's been a lot of hate for the Steph Curry twos lately. The internet, Twitter especially, has <laughs> really not held any bunches when it comes to their opinion on these. Steph himself was quoted as saying he thought they were fire shoes, and you know what? I gotta agree. I would wear these shoes. And to back up my point, I showed a picture of them to my dad, and he said, I might cut a lawn in those. Those look like good shoes. That's all you need to know. Yeah, I mean, if you find them comfortable to hoop in, hoop in them. I'm not big on low cuts for playing basketball anyway. I know that's the new trend, though. And, yeah, they look like good sh- – like, I could see someone playing volleyball in them. They'd be cool for that or 
different things. They'd be more of even like just an indoor running shoe type type of look. They'd be cool. For I'm not huge on the whole Curry line anyway. More of a Jordan guy. But yeah, th- I don't think they deserve to just get outright attacked and like scrutinized by everyone, but by no means are they a groundbreaking or very special shoe. Greg, ladies and gentlemen, Steph Curry values, Michael Jordan fashion sense. Blue collar. That's our hot takes this week. If you'd like your hot takes on our show, tweet us at GTimeDecision. Next up is our winners and losers of the week. Luck, you got a winner for us this week? My winner this week is all of us. If the MLB agrees to Syndergaard's pitch for an all-pitchers home run derby. You got... Syndergaard on board. Jake Arrieta came out today saying that he was on board. I don't see the downside. I mean, some of these guys can really rake. Jake Arrieta's hit a few dingers this year. Same with Syndergaard. If Bartolo Colon doesn't get a spot in this competition, don't even bother having it. Because that guy is a monster at the plate. One home run career, 43 years old. He's a real threat. Sure, one of them might get hurt, and that's a real risk, and a real concern for all the clubs involved, but pitchers hitting home runs is one of my favorite things to see when it happens, and I think it'd be really funny to see them match up against the actual big hitters in the league. It would be huge for the league. I mean, this would be a fun event for everyone to watch. Fans would love it. The players would love to be in it. It would just be a good scene. Arietta said it's more thrilling or something than a no-hitter. I don't really believe that, but he's promoting it the right way, definitely. If they do it, if they don't do it and decide they're going to let a pitcher hit in the actual event, I think you got to go with Madison Bumgarner. Not Bartolo. Bar- Bartolo's got no chance. <laughs> Bumgarner actually yeah. just Baumgartner, mashes yeah. home runs. Yeah, Bumgarner's good. He'd be a good choice. Now, how would this transfer over into other sports. You have a goalie breakaway competition in hockey, maybe? I want to see the fastest skater contest in full goalie equipment. Wow. A goalie race. Goalies doing ski cross. Snow cross. Flying yeah, down contact. the course. Full contact. Full contact snow, co- snow cross. Goalies smoking each other. Once a year, people watch that. Red Bull, let's make this happen. You guys have done crazier stuff. You sent a guy to space to jump out of space. <laughs> this is this is definitely in your wheelhouse, Red Bull. Let's make this happen. Basketball, mascot dunk competition? Mascots can't really do much in the way of dunking. Big man three-point shooting competition. Does anybody want to watch <laughs> five guys miss 23s in a row? Basketball does pretty well. Basketball gets their events to be fun and tries to make it engaging for the fans. I mean, the dunk contest was solid this year, but the dunk contest can never be that good because there are professional dunkers in the world who can do all sorts of crazy dunks. And if they get the best players in the league, maybe they can't dunk as well. So instead, they end up getting... Fringe players who can just jump high, and it's fun though. The fans love it. The NHL can can needs the NHL needs to promote their weekend a little bigger. Football, Pro Bowl, T- 
Tim Tebow has to be the quarterback of one of the teams. Football, they could get some some pretty cool skills competitions going in that. The classic kick punt pass competitions. <laughs> See how your league superstar quarterbacks would fare in that one. Yeah, I think they Ben I think Roethlisberger punts. He punts on fourth down sometimes, so he's my wild card. Yeah, I think I think there is a big opening for some events. I think the main takeaway is that major sports leagues bring a little fun back into the games, you know. Let's let's, let's see some untraditional stuff. Let's make baseball fun again as well as the other sports. So this week a video was released of Andre Drummond blocking a little kid into about the third row of the stands. And I'm going to take the little kid as my loser this week because he had no business going up there. He, he's he got to pull up for three or something else because there's, there's just no way he's getting by that defender. You got to respect his hustle coming after Andre Drummond like that. But Got to go into this, the body, though. This Get, is one of the, the most embarrassing things I've ever seen. My loser of the week, actually, though, has got to be Andre Drummond in this situation. This is a PR nightmare. You absolutely crushed this kid's dreams. And as with everything else in this day and age, somebody caught it on video. Andre Drummond, I don't think you're going to be in next year's dunk competition. I mean, it's a charity if they event. Have it's blocking not. little kids competitions, you're my guy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the thing is, too, he didn't really, it wasn't a basketball play. It was not a good move. That little kid comes at him. He can block that kid and hold the ball and keep possession for his team. Instead, he whacks out of bounds. That kid gets the ball back. Maybe he scores the next play. Ooh. That's another way of looking at it. He's Andre not, Drummond actually did that kid a favor. Yeah, boneheaded move. He's not he's not teaching that kid a lesson. He's giving him another chance. <laughs> it's bad basketball right there. <laughs> another loser this week. I don't know if you saw it. Snoop Dogg had the opening pitch at a Dodgers game, was it? Anyway. He put it into the stands. This was, without a doubt, the second worst opening pitch I've seen in recent memory. The first, obviously, belonging to 50 Cent, who basically threw it straight up in the air. <laughs> I think I could throw a strike during a ceremonial pitch. Yeah, take, take I mean, some power off it and just hit the glove. When they tell you, hey, we're going to bring you out, we're going to have you throw the first strike, you know. How would, how do you not spend weeks practicing for this? I mean, you know what's happening. You know you're going to look like an idiot all over social media if you mess it up. You can't wing it. You can't wing something like this. The mound's a lot farther away from the catcher than you think. Conspiracy theory, he did it on purpose for PR. Snoop Dogg wanted to look like a bad baseball player on TV he for PR. To get, he wanted to get in the media. He's he's a pretty athletic guy, you know. His his kid used to play. Well, he was committed to UCLA before he quit football. Whole family seems pretty athletic. I think he's surprisingly a solid athlete. Pretty tall, can move around pretty well. I think he can throw that pitch. So you think misses the pitch, looks into the camera, buy my new album, guys? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he did it that explicitly, but could have been his goal right there. <laughs> You heard it here first, folks. Snoop Dogg might be looking to release a new album sometime soon. I got this one is kind of a win-loss here, okay? 
Delvin Perez is a winner because he was caught with PEDs just before the draft and still managed to get drafted in the first round by the St. Louis Cardinals. I think for baseball as a whole, though, this has got to be viewed as a loss. I mean, a player still gets drafted that high. I know he was potentially top 10, top 20. He did slide, but spending first-round pick on a kid like this what does it show about the league's view on performance-enhancing drugs? I think we've known for a long time that baseball doesn't actually care about PEDs. PEDs brought baseball some of its best ratings back in the 80s and 90s. They're the reason it became so popular. This kid, yeah, obviously not the brightest move, getting caught right before his professional career is bound to start, but... Yeah, I'd definitely call him a winner still going in the first round. That's absolutely bananas that they still thought he'd have enough potential without the juice to take him that early. Well, yeah, he's getting a huge signing bonus. There's money in his pocket. What if he's just terrible at baseball without the drugs? I mean, unlikely. Sure, I'm pretty sure he's still going to be serviceable, but he's got to take a hit a little bit and... It could be a pretty big bust, right? So do you see the cards as winners or losers here? I think at that point in the draft, it's an it's a decent pick. I think they're a loser in terms of promoting the league and promoting that the league is enforcing rules against drugs and trying to take action on it. But I think the pick was an appropriate risk for the value that it could bring at 23. And that wraps up winners and losers for us this week. It's now time for Player Tracker, where we take an obscure player and we check in on them, see how they're doing. Buck, who is our player of the week? This guy's a little older, bit of a throwback. Some of you may not remember him due to his career being tragically so short. This week's Player Tracker, Andrew Bynum, recently spotted at the Cleveland Cavaliers Golden State Warriors Game 3 in Cleveland. This guy... Sitting at the end of the row, blonde hair, all by himself, 28 years old, out of the league. Where did it all go wrong, Greg? The trade, really. I mean, I think that trade really was a lose, lose, lose situation. I don't think I don't think any player or team came out positive from that trade. For those at home who may not know, what trade is it you're referring to? Well, Bynum went to the Sixers him and Jason Richardson and Bynum basically just spent the year sulking and decided he did not want to play in Philadelphia. So he, he was injured and just not down to play all year. The Lakers got Dwight Howard. They also got Earl Clark and Chris Duhon, but we all know how the Dwight Howard saga worked out. Not well for the Lakers, that one year trial there. The Nuggets got Andre Gudala who didn't stick and the Magic got everyone else whose list really, Mo Harkless, Vucevic, Afalo, Al Harrington, the list goes on. They are still not a very good team. They're pretty obscure. They're on the rise, I guess, but you can't really call them a winner from this because Dwight Howard was huge in Orlando. He carried that team to the finals. He was their centerpiece marketing-wise. Everyone lost that trade. That's four four L's right there. That's wild. Four-way trade? 
no winners at all. Maybe, you know, could be pretty good use of that trade backsies rule I was talking a little bit about earlier. Andrew Bynum, we're glad you're still alive. Our next segment, most likely to, is where we analyze the situation and see which which scenario is most likely to occur. First up, who is most likely to step up for Draymond Green in the next playoff game? Draymond suspended, yeah. An issue for the Golden State Warriors? Not. As those of you who listened to our first episode will realize, I'm a Draymond truther. I don't think that he actually moves the needle too much on this Golden State Warriors team. But what I really think is that this is Leandro Barbosa, the Brazilian blur. It's his time to shine. Let's show us what you got, Leandro. What do you think, Greg? Uh, That's a bad take right there. Um, (laughs) Green's a great player. He definitely moves the needle. I mean, he passes the ball for his size and position as good as anyone in the league, so bad bad analogy there. But, yeah, I think Harrison Barnes has got to step up. He's been playing better lately. He's been scoring a little bit. But I think he's going to have some added minutes. I think Iguodala and him are going to have to share the court together and both produce at a high level. Anderson Verjao, also on that team. Could be a potential guy. He's been playing a lot of minutes. He's been falling down, you know, <laughs> Doing running, what he's good running up and down the court. Being tall and running. <laughs> Anderson Virgil sticking to his wheelhouse. Sticking with the NBA, which team is most likely to trade with the 76ers this summer? Yeah, Steve, the Sixers really have a logjam up front. They've got Joel Embiid potentially healthy. You know, they that, have no, to. No, that, I'm going to stop you right there. That'll never happen. They, they have to believe that, though. They have to hope <laughs> he's coming back. Um, then they got Dario Saric coming over from overseas this year, who they spent a high traffic on, and he's been panning out well so far overseas. They've got to hope that he's going to give them quality minutes. And then they have Nerlens Noel and Jalil Okafor, who both played a lot in the front court for them last year. And then they have typical bench guys, too, like Jeremy Grant coming in and providing minutes that fill a role more for bench players. The other four really all would want to be starters at least down the road and they don't really gel well together i think the pick they're going to value they want ben simmons first overall they're going to stick with that i think noel or okafor have to go because Embiid is just pretty worthless right now i don't know any team that's gonna (laughs) give him value for what his potential is right now he's they're gonna have to take a significant hint if they were gonna try and trade him i think they trade whoever has more value between okafor and noel and i think they try and get a top three pick look to the lakers at two see if the lakers want a more proven big man rather than keeping the pick or at number three, the Celtics. They're kind of in win-now mode. Maybe they want Noel, who can be... He's, he's an established defender. He can add something to their team right away that a college player might not be able to. Especially at number three, when the top two players in this draft are really well-defined. And three, there's a bit of a gray area there. You go overseas with Bender, or you look for a college player. Buddy Heald, Buddy maybe. Heald. Buddy Heald. He's, he's an older guy, though. He comes in and shoots for them, but their backcourt's pretty 
pretty well set with Isaiah Thomas. And then they have Marcus Smart, both at the one. At the two, they got Avery Bradley, and Evan Turner can really handle the ball for them too. So they don't really need another guard, but some depth and defense inside would be a real benefit to them with a Sixers trade. So that's what I'm going to go with. I think Nerlens Noel goes to Boston for the third overall draft pick. Next, which NFL team is most likely to sign quarterback Johnny Manziel in desperation? If there is a God, please don't let it be the Denver Broncos that end up signing Johnny Manziel. I know our quarterback situation isn't looking good this year between Mark Sanchez, Paxton Lynch, and, well, the other guy. But as much as I love Johnny Manziel, I really don't want to see him in a Denver Broncos uniform come this fall. I mean, almost certainly because it means that the Sanchez has once again failed as an NFL quarterback. I think Manziel takes Trevor Simeon's job. In Trevor Simeon, that's the yeah, that's his name. Trevor Simeon. Sorry, Trevor. I know you're listening to the show. I won't forget your name again. I promise. I think he goes to Denver. Absolutely. Okay. They've they've got the management established that thinks they can, you know, take care of a bit of a nutcase. Their fans, a lot of pride, a lot of a lot of people pay attention to that team, want them to win. They can't get away with worse than mediocre play at quarterback. And I don't think any of the three options are gonna gonna provide enough for a playoff push. I think they reach desperation mode and I think John Elway looks for a gunslinger. Listen, I was a big Johnny fan when he came out of A&M. I liked him in Cleveland. I mean, again, Cleveland, nobody wants to go there. But the guy's got to get his life back together. John Elway, you're right, does like a charity case or two. He took Shane Ray in the draft last year, which panned out pretty well for us. I mean, even Vaughn Miller had his problems at the start of his career. But Vaughn Miller... Maybe maybe Von Miller and Johnny Manziel living together actually does happen instead of just Johnny lying about it. Maybe he does come to Denver. Yeah, I, I don't think Johnny football is really their option at quarterback, but I do think they will be searching. And I think they are one of the only teams that will believe they can sort of keep their eye on the kid. Do you think Johnny ever plays another NBA game? <laughs> I think he never plays a single game in the NBA. Yeah, I also, you're right. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think He's, his career is, is, is done. And finally, which San Jose player is most likely to keep the beard going into next season? Joe Thornton or Brent Burns? Absolutely Joe Thornton. He has been trying forever to finally put together a playoff run. This worked for him. It's got to be in his head. That's the reason he's here. That's the reason the Sharks are here. He's got to keep that. Joe Thornton's never grown a beard this long because San Jose has never made it this far in the playoffs. To the way around. The beard got them to where they are. Oh, okay. It's in his head. I think you're dead wrong on this. Joe Thornton seems like a really, you know, he can be a bit of a wild card, but he seems like a big tradition guy. I think the second they lose, which... As of 10.20 p.m. on June 12th, could be very soon. I think he shaves it off the second he gets back into the dressing room. Brent Burns 
strikes me as more of a hip with the kids kind of guy. He likes the beard because it makes him look yeah. good, oh, feel good. He rocks the beard all year round. Have you seen this guy's player pictures? This guy is an absolute animal. Chewbacca, some call him. What do we consider cutting the beard? A what? trim or clean shaven? Oh, Joe Thornton's going clean shaven. I think Joe Thornton might go clean shaven first, but I think Burnsy chops it down a little bit. If Joe Thornton wins this championship, do you think he shaves before next playoffs? <laughs> do you think he even trims before next playoffs? I, th- I think he just ties it up, gives a little break. Joe Thornton comes into next year's playoffs looking like ZZ Top. He's got a six-foot-long beard. If it works, it works. <laughs> Finally, our last segment this week is What's Up Next, where we look into our crystal ball of sports and try and predict the next big thing. Our prediction this week, there will be no more designated hitters in the MLB. A couple of years ago, the take on this situation was really bring DHs into the National League. But now, I think just the hype around Bumgarner hitting all these home runs and Bartolo blasting one, it's really a fun thing for fans. And the risk for pitchers, as there is a bit of a risk, it's not huge. Some teams bring in pitchers to pinch run in games when a big first baseman or designated hitter gets on. So running the bases is really as dangerous as swinging a bat. And I think it's a fun thing to add into baseball. And right now, when you look at the league, who can you name that's just a DH? I mean, Ortiz has got to be really the last of his kind. Bigger guys, even like Edwin Encarnacion, Prince Fielder, they can play one bag. They're serviceable at one bag. Um, so being that everyone coming up, coming into the league, they're not DHs anymore. They're, they're better athletes. They can play a position on the field. Why not let pitchers swing the bats a little? Getting rid of the DH would be a completely backwards move on the part of the MLB. Sure, Madison Baumgartner, Noah Syndergaard, Jake Arrieta, exciting batters. Is Aaron Sanchez hitting dingers out there? Is David Price going to hit a dinger? These are not guys I want to see taking bats from my team night after night. This is going to decrease scoring, decrease excitement. One of the best parts of baseball is seeing a ball into the stands for a home run. Yeah, but if that home run's hit by a pitcher... Yeah, sure, it's it's more exciting. It also happens... A hundred times less. You're taking away the guys who are here to hit home runs and replacing them with guys who almost never do. You're decreasing scoring. You're decreasing excitement. You're definitely not making baseball fun again. I think you're doing the opposite. Is a no-hitter or a perfect game or a complete game shutout not one of the most exciting moments of the year? Why don't we just make DHs pitch instead of pitchers be dhs because <laughs> they'll just walk everyone <laughs> probably won't be too many hits pitchers are gonna strike out i think it's the same thing no i i guess what we're getting here is is you want dhs everywhere and i want pitchers to hit everywhere so maybe the mlb has it right and we're just overanalyzing things <laughs> all right mlb stick with the way things are that better not fucking happen 